This is episode 21 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is the founder of Sweetfish Media and host of the B2B Growth Show podcast, James Carberry. Let's get it started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people from all across the globe, from all walks of life, but all really motivated to do something a little bit different with their lives than previous, You know, whether that's starting a business or maybe it's getting in the best shape of their life or it could be just doing a new hobby. But they're kind of fed up with just status quo, and they want to live life on their own terms. So a lot of the different guests that we talk through are going to provide a lot of practical insight, maybe even some philosophical knowledge, but talking about their own journey and their own path to success, whatever that success is for them in particular. But the goal is that you guys can get out of this some different tips and tricks and some nuggets, um, maybe a couple each episode that you could take away and ultimately help you in your own life drive to that success, you know, kind of that whatever that North Star is for you and go out and try to achieve it. So I hope you guys get a lot of impact out of this episode and others. And without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. So let's welcome in my guest for today, James Carbray. Uh, James' last name is spelled C-A-R-B-A-R-Y. Um, he can be found basically anywhere online. Um, LinkedIn is a great place to find him. He has a ton of content out there. Um, go ahead and check him out on Twitter, at James Carbray. Um, you can also check out his company's website, sweetfishmedia.com, um, as well as their uh, B2B Growth Show podcast. I actually came across James on LinkedIn several months ago now. Um, actually, several months has probably been a year now that I think about it. And uh, again, I just came across him because he's very engaging online, um, a lot of good content that he puts out. And we also had similar um, kind of personalities, I guess, if you could say, in terms of um, being bullish on audio and voice and where that's going. Obviously, both having a podcast and both being uh, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, fans, I guess is the best way to say it. So we kind of connected on that. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we, we talk about a lot of great stuff on this podcast around um, just entrepreneurship, you know, some of the, you know, the key takeaways he had to start his business. Um, and we skate around some things just with uh, what businesses should be thinking about in terms of content and, and marketing um, and some different avenues that they should be taking, maybe that they're not. So we definitely run the gamut. You know, one of the things that does come up on this and I won't go too far down the rabbit hole today, but actually something everyone you know, listening should consider, um, and it's really around this premise of patience. And you know, I've come across this a lot on the podcast, different guests I've, I've talked with, um, as well as just a variety of individuals that I've had the pleasure to kind of pick their brain about, people that have been successful. And one of the things that does come up a lot is patience. And something I'm fortunate to have the awareness now because I know back in my adolescence, getting in my 20s, um, I certainly didn't have a ton of patience. Um, I complained a lot. You know, it was always what didn't I get or who was getting more attention. And I started to focus a little more inward and saying, hey, how can I be more patient? How can I understand the long game here? Um, if you guys don't know Simon Sinek, um, definitely recommend to check out his work. I'm sure almost everyone listening has seen, you know, Start With The Why, his TED Talk he did, you know, 10 years ago or so. That was one of the most popular TED Talks ever. But he has something recently, a book he just wrote 
but something he talks around game theory and you know the businesses that succeed really well have this kind of long-term vision um, and, and really they have patience and they're not looking for quick wins um, so it's kind of the finite and infinite, infinite games he talks about but anyways I digress um, but from a patient standpoint it's something that I notice it takes really a certain mindset and it takes a while to have that mindset if, if you complain a lot if you're frustrated if you have that instant gratification and think, hey, why is it not happening for me now? I'd certainly implore you, because it, it helped for me, is to really just be thoughtful around, hey, what's the long-term play here? What, what am I looking for in a year, five years, 10 years? And really understand, implore massive patience, and ultimately you'll notice a change in your attitude, in your mindset. You'll start being more positive, you'll be more fun to be around, and in turn, you'll actually succeed um, toward your goals a little bit quicker, I've noticed. So it's just something to consider. I, again, I don't want to go too uh, rampant down the, uh, the rabbit hole on that, but patience. Think about it. Um, you know, one of the things, by the way, that helped me was uh, meditation. Um, I've talked about this a bunch around, you know, I started to meditate over a year ago now and a whirlwind different. And really what it helped me to do was reflect and just understand kind of being mindful of the moment and where I'm at. And ultimately, that took a lot of the uh, wasted energy out of the day. A lot of those frustrations maybe that could bubble up, um, I pass them along and say, you know what? No, let's be patient. Let's kind of look toward the future and stay focused. So something I'd recommend everyone to consider, not that you have to meditate, but whether it's, again, a business that you're in or maybe it's your certain career that you're frustrated in, um, it could, a lot of times it's fitness. You know, a lot of people are trying to lose weight or trying to gain muscle mass or be on, you know, every which new diet there is. You know, if you look at patients and say, hey, I'm going to look over the next year, well, heck, that's a, that's a different game, right, than just, okay, I'm going to try to lose a few pounds this week. Um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, neither was your body. So how do you implore patients in a fitness standpoint and, and from a health standpoint as well? So it definitely encompasses a variety of different stuff, and, and we'll talk deeper on this topic, and I'm sure it'll come up on other uh, podcast episodes as well. But, you know, tangent over on that. Um, let's jump into the episode today where I get a chance to talk with uh, James Carbray uh, on a variety of topics um, around you know marketing and what you know businesses should be thinking about in terms of how they you know put out content and we kind of you know talk about his story and some of the ways he's got into his uh, business and kind of his entrepreneur background so without further ado let's jump into the episode today in my chat with James Carbray let's get it started Hey, James, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for uh, having me on, Brian. Really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, this is fun. I, uh, I know we've been trying for a while, partially my schedule, trying to get you on here. So I'm excited to uh, you know, have some time here to chat with you a little bit and uh, go through some of the stuff you're doing now, because I, I definitely think it's pretty neat and, and the audience could definitely get some, um, not only enjoyment out of it, but also some good, uh, some good value um, and insight. But as I always like to do, I want to take a quick step back with you because you know, I always like to talk around, you know, this whole just get started premise that there's a lot of building blocks that go with that over the course of a lifetime. And I'm curious if you can just share, because I actually don't know this. Um, it's kind of what you're upbringing a little bit. You know, where did you come from? Um, you know, kind of adolescence, what, you know, what were some of the things that you were involved with? And, and that'll kind of start spawning some different conversations that we have. Yeah, totally, man. So, uh, so I grew up uh, kind of single, single mom uh, household. So dad wasn't around. He left when I was two, and actually came back to my came back into my life when I was twenty one. So I actually have a, a a much better relationship 
with him now uh, as an adult than I did growing up. But raised by a single mom, she was a teacher. I really had zero entrepreneurial influence in my life growing up. Um, had some quality men that kind of stepped into my life throughout different kind of p- pivotal seasons um, through, you know, front dad, you know, uh, dads of, of some of my friends and, and different things like that. So had some had solid kind of male influence, but didn't really have any entrepreneurial influence uh, until uh, until really after college. Um, and so would say that a lot of kind of what I'm doing today professionally um, wasn't, uh, you know, I, I didn't even know was an option growing up just because I didn't, I didn't have people like that in my life. Uh, but one thing that, that has played a, a really big part from my childhood to today was I was always incredibly well supported. So my, my mom, my grandma, all of kind of my, my family that I grew up around, uh, they, uh, they were not naysayers. They always kind of believed in whatever I wanted to do. Um, and, uh, and so as a result now as an adult, I, I find myself surrounded by similar people, people that support and, and believe in, in the things that I'm trying to accomplish. Um, and, and I think that that was definitely influenced by kind of just being the standard for me growing up. So that's a, a little bit of, uh, of the backstory and, and, uh, and, and how that shook out in my, my early days. What did you learn from, you know, teachers are a, they're an interesting breed because they're so great in terms of the, the amount of, I guess, dedication they give uh, to students and the like. What did you learn? Is, is there one or two things you think you learned from your mom um, with her being a teacher that, that you still stick with you today? Man, um, I don't know. Man, with, from her being a teacher, uh, I, I, I don't know that I could point back to specific things. Um you know, from her profession, uh, she was, she was very consistent. I mean, she had the same job for, she was at the same school for like 17 years. Uh, and so I, I think there's, there's probably, uh, there, there's probably some level of, of consistency and sticking with something that, that I learned from that, uh, now that I think about it. But, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's probably the biggest one that, that sticks out right now in the moment. What were some of the things, I guess, you know, when you think about, so going from obviously adolescence, getting into college and then, you know, having some different jobs and stuff as, as you got out of there, what do you think is the biggest thing? I guess, again, looking back, it's always, you know, you kind of have that hindsight, but that helped you propel or, or get on this path that you're on uh, instead of going maybe another direction. Was there anything that you could think of or anything that you could pinpoint that was important? Yes. Yeah, the, the the biggest thing that got me on the path that I'm on now was meeting, uh, meeting an entrepreneur and and ultimately working for one. So uh, I'll, I'll try to make a, a pretty long story pretty succinct. But in 2008, my roommate's brother-in-law won a sweepstakes through the old phone company Altel, and you got to take he got to take ten of his or nine of his friends on a private jet to a professional football game of his choice. A really cool sweepstakes, one of those things you don't think anybody ever actually wins, but he won it. And uh, and I was one of the nine friends that he took on uh, the trip. While we were there, I mean, we got to do a bunch of crazy stuff, you know, fly from Oklahoma to New York City in a, in a, in a private jet, being one of them, and then get, you know, tooled around the city in a limo bus um, with a police escort and before, you know, ultimately going to the game. And there was a gentleman there named Jeff that was 
coordinating all the logistics for the trip. And I just thought Jeff worked for Altel. I didn't really think anything of it, but I ended up hitting it off with him. And, uh, and he ended up going to the game with us that night. And when he gave me his business card, it said that he was the president and CEO of a company called ETA Logistics. So turns out uh, he's, you know, he run, he owns this global logistics company that Altel had hired. So he ended up being a very good guy to know for someone who had, you know, had just graduated college. So about a year later, Jeff invited me to come out and work an event in Vegas. I did that. We stayed in contact. About three months after that event, he asked me to move to Orlando and run the helicopter division of his company. And so for the first three years that I lived in Orlando, I did helicopter logistics for NASCAR and traveled all over the country. But really what I learned from that experience was you know, getting to work for an entrepreneur who was running a small business. You know, he had 10 to 15 employees uh, that think he was doing about 10 million in revenue at the, at the peak of the business. And, uh, and it was a really, uh, it was a really incredible time to learn from a practitioner that was actively running a business. And, uh, in during that season is really where I came to realize, man, entrepreneurship is something I need to pursue and it's something I need to do. Uh, but apart from seeing Jeff in action, you know, I, I don't know that I ever would have taken the step to actually do it. What, what do you take from, from Jeff specifically? And again, this may be other folks, because I know you have a lot of, and we'll get into this with your podcast and stuff, but a lot of different conversations. Is there certain trends or um, maybe different, um, I don't know, principles that you saw from him that you see in other entrepreneurs? Something con- I mean, you talk about consistency with your, with your mom and her job and stuff, but being able to see, hey, these are two or three things I've seen around you know, entrepreneurs that maybe could be helping someone that's on the fence, like, hey, is this something I want to do or not? Anything in particular that you can pick up or? Yeah. So I was, I was a part of the business. Um, I don't know that I've ever shared this, uh, shared this publicly and I, and I don't, I want to honor Jeff and not, not share too much of, of the details. Cause it's obvious, it's obviously his business and not mine, but, uh, but there were some really trying things that, that happened while I was in the business that just, you know, had to do with outside factors, didn't have anything to do with me specifically, but there are a lot of, um, it was just very treacherous time to, to be in his business, a lot of things happening. And, uh, he was, you know, he was, a he was a Christian and I'm a Christian and seeing a Christian business leader handle, uh, the things that was happening to him, you know, kind of these external factors, um, uh, was really incredible to see, um, to, to see him approach it with the, the faith and integrity and, um, where I, I, I think someone with less character would have, would have handled what happened to him, uh, in a way that, uh, <laughs> would not have been right. And, um, and to, to get to watch him kind of stand in the face of a lot of adversity and a lot of pain and a lot of struggle, uh, and to kind of keep his head up and continue to push forward as opposed to, uh, allowing that particular circumstance to really kind of take him out. Um, and so that was, that was a really, uh, that was a really incredible thing to witness. Um, and then it was also, um, I think it was really telling to me to see behind the curtains on how decisions got made. And, and there was seeing that there was no, there was no formula, there's no formula for how business is done. Um, you know, you, you put an enormous amount of work into delivering an incredible service and, uh, and, 
and the way that you sell that service, there's a lot of different ways to do it. There's not a, I, and, I, and I think prior to that, I think I thought of business as like, well, there's, you know, there's, there's a certain formula and you do things a certain way and that's, that's how business happens. Um, and it was in that business that I really, is what I really saw firsthand. Like, and there are a lot of different ways to, to do different components. And, and there are a lot of different ways to, to deliver this type of service that, that we were delivering, you know, logistics and different things like that. Um, there are a lot of different ways to sell it and, uh, you know, we can adjust our pricing and, uh, and so having that kind of flexibility and, and seeing that I had only been in corporate jobs before where everything was very, you know, this is how it's done. You follow this process, you do this thing, and to be in an entrepreneurial environment uh, where where things were really in flux and we had a lot of flexibility, uh, that was also another big thing that I that I learned through that experience. Yeah, I agree with you there. I actually, you know, having myself been around a lot of different um, little mentors that are business owners, entrepreneurs themselves, I, I saw this similar thing. It's like there, there are a lot of educated guesses. It's a lot of intuition and, and gut feeling of, of kind of the market and, and what they've learned. Um, and it's, yeah, they, they'll kind of be the first ones to tell you like, hey, I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm figuring this out as I go as well. Yeah. Um, so that I think that's really important. Um, obviously, for a lot of folks listening that, excuse me, that are getting to that point where they want to maybe start their own business or go out on their own, they don't have to have every, you know, every piece in the, you know, every puzzle, you know, piece together. They can kind of not make it up as you go along, but in, in a sense, I guess, yes. Um, so that's, mm-hmm. that's really interesting to hear that, that he was doing that as well and, and obviously being successful with it. Um, I'm, I'm curious yourself, kind of turning to your business and, and some of the things, do you remember, I guess when you started things, um, with, uh, with the uh, Sweetfish here, cause I'm curious, I remember talking with, uh, with Matt Hines about this when he started his marketing business, you know, years ago, you know, he had, he said he had the luxury where, you know, he had someone, actually a client that he kind of, he didn't jump out with no clients and he just started from scratch. He actually had someone that he was working with and that propelled him. Were you the similar light or did you start from scratch and just kind of, you know, have to acquire different, um, you know, partners early on or how did it work for you to yeah. get started? Yeah. So, so getting started was a, was a really interesting uh, experience for me because I had, I, I had nothing. I had no existing clients. I had um, my my first co- the first company I started was a tech company, and you know se- it was really B two C technology and uh, uh, no kind of no B two B background whatsoever, uh, and so I couldn't you know couldn't parlay any existing relationships into into the business. But I I knew a lot about content marketing and I knew a lot about content strategy. And so, um, when I decided to start Sweetfish, we were originally just a blog writing shop. And so I started just by thinking about who are some of the business owners that I know, uh, in, in my you know circle of friends here in Orlando and started reaching out to them saying, Hey, I think, I think we could do some, you know, create some pretty incredible content for you. Would you be interested? And so within the first 30 days, I think we ended up getting, you know, one or two clients to talk them into paying us a thousand bucks a month. And so that was enough to kind of pay me and then, and then pay some contractors to actually write the content. Uh, and then it went from there, but it was this, you know, ebb and flow of, you know, we would, it seems like every time we would add a new client, we would lose one. And, and so, uh, so there, and I wasn't pricing our service correctly. And so there was a lot of, um, uh, a, a lot of, 
uh, we just weren't, we just didn't have enough margin on what we were selling. And so 10 months into the business is when I decided to pivot and say, you know what? Um, I want to be hyper focused on one element of marketing, not just saying, Hey, we do, we do content marketing. And so we niched down and decided to focus on podcast production. And we also niched down and said, Hey, we're only going to work with B2B companies. Um, and, uh, and, and when we, when we made that switch, uh, that was in January of 2016, um, it, it, we, it positioned us perfectly really to change our pricing and put more margin in, in what we were, uh, in what we were doing, which ultimately allowed us to, to grow a, a business that is now, I would, I would say thriving today. There's obviously, you know, room for improvement and always ways that you can grow and get better, but, um, but we're doing better than we ever have, uh, since we did decided to kind of focus down. But, in terms of the getting started, it was really hard for me um, because I didn't have you know those existing relationships, which is ultimately why you know the podcast and and B two B growth and uh, asking very specific types of people to be a guest on our show and then turning those guests into customers was a big part of our client acquisition strategy. Yeah, and I want to get into that a little bit more here. Um, one question though I had is, I guess when um, when you talk about getting more hyper focused because. Because actually, something I see, and, and I'm, I'm curious if you see this as well, but you know, I see with a lot of businesses, they try to they try to stretch out and do more, oh yeah, and, and be the jack of all trades, you know, master of none type, instead of that hyper, you know, as Gary is Gary Vaynerchuk, I know we're both fans, you know, says go go deep, not wide, yep. um, kind of thing. What was the? I have to imagine there were some sleepless nights there around, like, yeah, should we do this? Should we not? You know, really, or, or is this the focus we want to have? How did you, how did you, I guess, uncover that? Like this was where we wanted to go and what ultimately put you over the edge to go there? Yeah, man. So I, I remember having the epiphany that we needed to niche down and do podcasts, um, on a, on a plane actually coming back from San Diego. My wife is from San Diego and I was, uh, it was just crystal clear to me that that was the direction that we needed to go. Um, it started by, uh, you know, a, a couple months prior, uh, there was a particular type of nonprofit that we were working with that we were getting really good results with. And I thought, man, if we could do more work for this type of nonprofit, we would absolutely crush because, you know, it's a local nonprofit. There's, you know, there's types there. There's these nonprofit types in, you know, thousands of cities across the country. And I was like, if we can make it work for this client, we could we can literally kind of own this and and this can be our thing. Uh, and so we, we started a podcast specifically around that niche and, uh, 80% of the people that we reached out to, um, set, you know, who are very busy decision makers at these nonprofits said yes to being a guest on the show. And it was my, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, we did about 55 episodes of that podcast before we realized that our client was a bit of a. Uh, outlier. Most most nonprofits in that in that particular industry uh, don't have budget for content marketing, and so it wasn't something that that they were willing to spend money on. But coming out of that experience, which really is a testament to to trying and actually doing, because even if even if the thing that you're doing doesn't map to what you thought it would, it it ends up leading to something else. So there's there's going back to a Gary Vee thing, like there's just so much power in taking action. I'm so glad we did because, you know, two months after trying that is when I was on that airplane and and realized like, oh my gosh, it didn't work for that particular vertical or that type of customer that we were targeting. 
but we could do this. We could execute the same strategy for B2B companies and who, who know kind of who their ideal client is. We didn't know who our ideal client was at the time. We were too, we were too young of a company to know that. And, uh, but I thought, man, if we could, if we could do this podcast thing and invite these people's ideal clients to be a guest on their show, this could be a, this could be massive ROI for these companies and, and we could have a really sustainable business model. And, uh, and so coming off of that plane, I just, there's just, I don't know, there's just a fire in my belly. I just knew that there was really no doubt in my mind that that was the direction that I needed to take the business. Um, and so I can't necessarily say that there was a lot of fear and, you know, wondering if we made the right call. I, I think I was pretty confident that it was the right, the right step to go, but you've also got to know that I was running a business at the time that was, you know, probably you know, not profitable. So, so it wasn't, it wasn't tough to make a pivot because we weren't really succeeding doing the thing that we had been doing up to that point. And why podcasts? Why? I mean, obviously we know the benefit now, like, you know, we're talking on a podcast, but like yep. at that time, why, where, where did podcasts like, Hey, I don't know when you first discovered podcasts or why you thought that was the next wave. Yeah. So I, I didn't really necessarily think about podcasts as being like the next wave. When I first got into it, I was, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, um, similar for similar reasons, I think than the, as, as a lot of folks, just because it's a passive way to consume content. And so I was in the car a lot, I was traveling a lot and I wanted to learn and, de, you know, develop myself as a leader. And so I was listening to a show called entrepreneur on fire. And I remember, uh, listening to an episode thinking, man, there are a lot of shows out there for people that aspire to do great things in business. But what about people that are, you know, what about the stay at home mom? What about the, the person in a corporate setting? Like they need to be inspired too. And so had this idea to do a podcast called inspiring awesome, where we would just interview people that were leading nonprofits, people that were just doing incredible things in their home, uh, amazing parents and, and have them share kind of what they were doing, uh, that, that we saw greatness in and, uh, co-hosted that show with my buddy Kenny. And I didn't really think about it at the time, you know, cause we had a variety of different people on the show. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, very targeted aside from, you know, if we thought you were doing something awesome, we, we wanted to interview you. Uh, but when I first started sweet, I, I did that podcast before I started Sweetfish, and, and so when I started the company, I noticed that some of our early customers were guests on that inspiring, awesome podcast, and, and it happened by accident. And so when I started thinking more about it as we were making the pivot into, into focusing on podcasting, I thought, oh my gosh, this has already worked for me. You know, my inspiring, awesome podcast guests were turning into clients. Um, so and, and that was by accident. So if you actually brand a show in such a way that your ideal clients uh, will be your guests of your show, uh, then every single interview you do for your show is not just content. It's not, it's not just content that can be repurposed on LinkedIn and your email list and Facebook and Instagram and all these different channels. Uh, as well as the reach that you're going to get through Apple podcasts and different podcast channels. But it's also a one-to-one -one relationship with someone that can give you money. And so that's really why I became so passionate about the medium is because audio is a very easy way to create content. We're, we're sitting here, we're, we're not in the same city. We're not, we're not, uh, under the same roof and we're able to create content together just by having a conversation. So it's an easy way to create content. 
but it's equally just as easy of a way to create relationships. And, you know, relationships are, are one of those things that everybody says you need to build, you need to have, like, it's not what you know, it's, it's who, you know, but nobody is out there saying, how do you actually create those relationships? And with podcasting, at least for me, uh, it's been the gateway to, to, you know, 99% of the relationships that I have today. And I've now got thousands of them, uh, in a very short amount of time that we've been in business because, because of, of the podcast that we do. And, and that's a, yeah, that's a great story how that all kind of uh, transpired there. And, uh, and kudos, dude, you guys are doing some great stuff. I obviously have heard a lot of, uh, you know, fee- actually, uh, I think, uh, Stu, uh, that was on the podcast here. I was working yeah, with you guys. Stu right? incredible. Yeah. 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 He's one of our customers and, and become one of my really good friends. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I love how he's leveraging his show. Well, so talk to me or talk to through me, I guess, to the audience around the people that are listening that they want to do something like this. Because because I've actually had a lot of conversations with marketing departments at different companies um, about this idea about doing this. I actually, after you know, I got introduced by you just to kind of bubble it up, and there's a lot of pushback. It's a lot of like, no, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. What is the, I mean, I guess, is is there some sort of ROI justification or number of statistics you throw out? Like, what would put over a, a department to say, okay, we're going to actually go, you know, all chips in the middle on on doing a podcast, interviewing potential clients, et cetera? Yeah, so I, I would I would encourage people to look at uh, who, who is their most profitable customer and what is that customer worth to them? So, uh, for a lot of the customers that we work with, you know, their average deal size is, is a hundred thousand dollars or more. And so when you're looking at an average deal size of a hundred K or more, you go, okay, well, what, what is it going to take for us to, to close one of those deals? And as you think through it, through the lens of a podcast strategy, you say, okay, let's build a show designed around the customer profile of of what that hundred thousand dollar customer looks like and so maybe they're in operations or maybe they're a marketing executive at a at an e-commerce company um you know whatever it is that the the profile is of of that person and then you say okay we're going to go ask we're going to come up with a target list of accounts that that we that we're going to go after um maybe it's 100 companies 500 companies whatever it is and we know that we need to talk to the you know head of operations at these uh, these 500 companies. Well, those target accounts and the people at those accounts then become your guest list, and for your podcast. So you brand a show that those people can be experts on, and and as you reach out to them and ask them to be on your show, you collaborate with them, you create content with them. Now they've got a genuine relationship with you. So when your sales team goes to reach out to actually try to sell them that hundred thousand dollar product or service that you offer, they have, they have an existing relationship. It's not something that, that you have to uh, hope that someone engages with you on because the, the likelihood of them responding is very high because they've already had an interaction with you. They're already, there's, there's already relationship there. And so, you only, you know, to say you do a weekly podcast, so 52 episodes in a year, how many of those episodes do you think you'll have to do before one of those guests turns into that $100,000 deal? And that that revenue then justifies the cost of a year's worth of content creation because of that single relationship. And so it doesn't happen overnight, you know, depending on your sales cycle and, and how long it takes to sell whatever it is that you're selling. Uh, it's not like you're going to have, you know, we, we've had cases where, you know, people that have been on our show six days later end up becoming customers for us. 
but then I've got other cases where, you know, someone was a guest on our show. Stu, for example, Stu was episode 13 on our show. He was one of our very first episodes and it took him, you know, two years to become a customer of us, of ours. So sometimes it takes, you know, a, a really long time. Other times it, it, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take that much time, but, um, it really just depends on what you're selling and, and how willing you are to, uh, develop that relationship. Now, that's great insight there. And I guess, it, can you go a little bit further? Because I, I know folks, um, and I'll put this in the show notes, can go, you have that, you know, you have a great 26-step, you know, process checklist um, for podcasts. And like, can you share just one or two what you feel? Because some folks are saying, hey, yeah, yeah, I don't really know where to get started. I don't even know how to kind of move forward. Anything that you could share, at least on this show, um, just a couple things to lead them in the right direction? Yeah, man. So, so the first... The first point that I make in that in that resource is to identify your most profitable buyer and and then brand the show around that buyer. So many people want to brand the show, brand their podcast around their own expertise. But the reality is, if you do that, you alienate yourself from being able to interview people that can give you money. And so if, if for, you know, in our in our example, we started a podcast called B2B Growth not the B2B podcasting show, even though B2B podcasting is our expertise. Had we done a show about our own expertise, I couldn't go off and interview every VP of marketing at every B2B tech company because they're not an expert in that. And so they would, they would be one confused. Why are you asking me to be on a show that I'm, that I have not, where I have nothing to contribute. Um, and, but by, by branding the show around, you know, growth in a B2B context, it now positions me to go and ask my ideal clients to share their expertise in the, in, in the topic that we, you know, both mutually have something to share on. So I think that's the first tidbit that I would really want people to wrap their head around. We, this is something we work with clients on, uh, you know, who they, they just, it, it's, it's a tough habit to break. Um, you want to talk about yourself and you want to explain to the world why your product or service is the greatest thing ever. But uh, when you're, I think, in my opinion, when you're doing a B2B podcast the right way, it's not about you. It's about your buyers. And if you can build a media company, uh, a media entity, uh, be it a podcast, video series, whatever it is that you guys that the company decides to do. I'm obviously bullish on podcasting, but there are lots of different ways to do it. Whatever it is, you have to make it about your your potential buyer, not you. And that's actually going to be the thing that attracts people to you and allows you to build those one-to-one relationships in the process. I want to ask you one other thing. Um, and this is it's, – it's it's about content, but whatever. I'm, I'm more curious because um, you actually – You've written and you've gotten published in in various Business Insider, I think, Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. How, I'm just curious because um, that's another thing I think for folks where they don't think they think they have to. It's some you know magical you know potion or something they have to take that uh, gets them in there. Can you share how you got in there if you're if you're comfortable yeah. doing that? And just because I'm curious because I know people should be getting out there more and putting their content yeah. out, but they don't. Yeah, totally. So so with Business Insider, I think I. I just I, I emailed a uh, an editor at Business Insider a few different times. I was very consistent in in my follow up with her, and ended up uh, ended up being able to to place an article there with Huffington Post. I actually tweeted at Ariana Huffington, and um, and told her about our inspiring awesome podcast. And uh, she got back to me and and gave me the email of one of her editors. 
uh, and so was able to kind of get it in through through there. That was something that you know worked for me. It wouldn't work now because Huffington Post got rid of their contributor network. And then I recently became a contributor through entrepreneur for Entrepreneur, and uh, and that opportunity came through uh, through a PR firm that we work with. Uh, they helped me get placed there. And so there's three the the three biggest publications that I've written for, um, you know, three different kind of tactics for, for how I went about going there. I think it's just a matter of, um, I, I think it's just a matter of, of picking, picking one and going for it and then staying consistent and not, uh, you know, not just trying something one time or sending one email, um, but really seeing it through, uh, until you achieve the, the result that it is you're looking to achieve. Yeah, and I think that's a, a one a great story around that. The fo- the fact is that one, yeah, everything is a little different, right? There's no one situation, one size fits all. But at the same time, I think what you're saying is you, you just got to try stuff and kind of get out that comfort zone. Like totally. you were saying, like yeah, Aaron Hopkinson, like yeah, who thinks she would respond? But hey, you never yeah. know. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's that's really neat. I remember when I uh, actually wrote this article. This is I didn't get published anywhere, but I actually. I wrote on uh, several years back, it was called, What's the ROI of Gary Vaynerchuk? And I tweeted out, and he actually wrote, this is when live video just started on Twitter, and he actually wrote, or uh, did like a live video back to me, and that like made my day. I'm like, oh my gosh. But it's just pretty pretty cool about doing that stuff. You got to put yourself out there, and you never know what what was going to happen, so. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I totally agree. Well, then actually, I, I'm going to add two, two more things, but that's actually a really good thought talking about Gary, because um, I know you and I both uh, are big fans of his. I always, I call him kind of my virtual mentor where yeah. I've never met him in person. I think you've met him. Um, yeah. I've never met him in person though, but talk about mentorship in terms of, are there one or two people that I guess you go to advice or people that have helped you along the way? Um, yeah. Or and, and, and if so, any one or two piece of advice that stand out from them uh, that could be helpful for others? Yeah. I mean, Gary has been a huge virtual mentor for me. Um, there was a, uh, there's a guy, you know, the guy I mentioned earlier in the interview, Jeff from, uh, from ETA logistics, huge mentor. Um, another guy named Patrick bet David, who's got a YouTube channel. That's in my opinion is phenomenal. He runs an insurance company. Um, I think the 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 pieces of advice that probably stick out to me the most uh, are are pieces of advice from Gary, um, and and his he just relentlessly talks about patience and playing the long game, and I cannot say how I there are no words for me to say the impact that hearing him say that over and over and over again has had on my life. So you know, starting the business three and a half years ago, and uh, you know, for the first, I mean, really for the first three years, uh, I mean, it was eating dirt to the extreme. I mean, paying myself next to nothing, um, reinvesting back into the reinvesting back into the business and to making sure that we could make payroll every month, figuring out how to, you know, how to craft a service where, where clients didn't leave every three or four months. Um, I mean, agency life is, is not easy. The services, services, businesses are, are extremely difficult. And so, um, hearing him say patience, like play the long game, play the long game, have patience, like don't expect, like if you have, if you have the audacity to think that you can write your own ticket as an entrepreneur and like control your own fate in terms of how you spend your time, uh, for, for work to make money. Uh, if you have the audacity to actually think that you can pull that off, 
then you better be prepared to invest a whole lot of time. And uh, because it doesn't happen overnight, like there's no as much as the marketing gurus and the Facebook ads that you see rolling up on your feed want to make you think that there's this this magic formula. There's not. I mean, there's there's a million different factors. Um, and and in, unless you are extremely patient and willing to play the long game, understanding that, you know, it may take you three to five years to build the foundation of a business that can support your family for the next 40 years. Um if you're not willing to play that game and and stick it out for that long, then entrepreneurship's probably not for you, uh, and and you probably just need to go find go find a job. But uh, it, apart from me hearing him say that, I would have likely given up multiple times. Um, there, I can look back on the the first three years of the business, and and I remember like applying for jobs and like thinking I can't do this, uh, and then I would hear you know Gary talk about like this it, there. It, I think there's a lot of shame that comes along with seeing all these Facebook ads of people that are like, well, if you just do this one marketing strategy, it's going to solve all your problems. The reason your business isn't growing is because you're not doing this one thing. Um, and, and Gary never, never shares any of those hacks or tricks. He just tells you it's really, really freaking hard. Like this is not easy. Um, very few people are able to successfully build and sustain a business and uh, and that's okay. Like it's it's supposed to take a long time, and hearing that was just such a rich encouragement to me. Um, so that's that's the biggest. That's a very very long answer to your question, but that's the biggest thing that stands out. No, that's that, no, that's great. I'm glad you went on that little tangent there. It's good to hear. What so what's what's up next for uh, for Sweetfish Media B two B growth uh, show? What's up next for you guys? Yeah. So so we're really uh, in the very early stages of creating a category. Um, and so you see a lot of B2B brands that are winning because they created a category. So Gainsight created the customer success category. Terminus created the ABM category. Drift create is creating the conversational marketing category. And so we're really in the midst of creating a category called account, uh, called content-based networking, which is really this idea that, um, if, if you can create content by collaborating with your ideal clients, you're killing two birds with one stone. You're building one-to-one -one relationships with people that can become your customers, and you're simultaneously creating a lot of content that's going to attract your ideal customers to your brand. And so in the in kind of it as a way to kind of kick off the category we're launching uh, in the next three to four years, we want to launch 100 local shows in a hundred different cities across the country. So we just launched a show called Atlanta success. We'll be launching Boston success and San Francisco success in the next few months. And just really excited to see those shows grow. Uh, we're, we're going to be having local leaders in each of those cities, uh, co-host the show. So it won't be us hosting it. We'll own the show, but we'll actually have 10 different co-hosts in each city hosting those shows. And I'm really excited to, to get that division of the business off the ground and, and, uh, and running because I think it's going to be, uh, extremely valuable and uh, and it's going to help a whole lot of people and where can everyone find you online where's the best yeah, way so, to pick you up yeah so so i'm i'm all over linkedin so james carberry on linkedin c-a-r-b-a-r-y uh email is james at sweetfishmedia.com would would love to to connect with anybody that wants to reach out no, and, and yeah, you have some great articles. I definitely recommend everyone listening to go out and check. That's how James, that's actually you and I connected, I think, initially on LinkedIn. And uh, you put out some great content and, uh, and really something some people should check out. Um, 
Well, James, I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, I'll put everything for everyone listening in the show notes, um, a lot of your 26-step process checklist and, and some of the other ways that they can get in touch with you. And absolutely uh, thrilled that you were able to join the podcast and uh, get a chance to hear your story a little bit more. Love it. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you having me, Brian. Thanks a lot. Thanks, James. Thanks again to everyone for listening on this episode. And remember, if you want to check me out online, brianondraco.com is my website, B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O, as well as at brianondraco on Instagram and Twitter. I certainly appreciate any feedback and comments um, that you have and look forward to interacting with you guys further. Um, Remember, you can also leave a review on iTunes. That would be very appreciative. Um, love to know how I'm doing and uh, and hear your feedback there or if whatever podcasting platform you guys are utilizing. Hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and look forward to catching you next time. Take care. Just get started.